Hey y'all, it's Akemini. And it's Christina. From Truth Table. And you all have been asking us ways that you can actually partner and support Truth Table. And we have now created a Patreon. Hey, this is the deal. We need your help. We need your resources to make this happen. Go on over to patreon.com slash truthstable and partner with this work. Hey y'all, welcome to Truth Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. I'm Michelle. And I'm Christina. This table is built by black women and for black women. So welcome to the table, sisters. How y'all doing? Hey. Yeah, doing. That's not what you do. Doing. Well. <laughs> that is not um, how. What? Has, no way. Has anyone ever referred to you as assertive <laughs> and clear in your request? <laughs> She wanted them direct communication. Direct. I mean. Live and direct. Yeah. (laughs) Word up. I think. What? I'll massage that. I think what she was requesting is a well from you. (laughs) I was trying to think. (laughs) Yes. She's like, do it now. Give me a well and a tap tap. It's like, what? What's going on here? And again, we're in the same room recording. You should know that. Yeah, that's real important. Disclaimer. Honestly, we need a disclaimer for every episode. They're going to have like the live series. Like this is basically the live series. Liver than live. Mm-hmm. We need a tour. Living together. That is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, so well, yeah, how well, are y'all doing? Well, 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 <laughs> well, well. Don't well to you well enough. You I know? like that Don't. remix. Well, 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 well. Put a little funk on well, it. Well, well. <laughs> well, well. That's the Orlando Draper song for all my gospel music fanatics who oh. know that throwback. A wow, wow. That's how we're doing. I like that. Especially considering what's on the table today. What's on the table? Mm, Well, what is on the table is... What's always on the table, basically. Blackness as being is on the table. So, yeah, we received a question. Yeah, so that's why that intro, me me telling you, (laughs) talking about something, that ain't what you do. That's very blackity black of me. That was was blatantly swingity black. Blackity black. Uh, So, blackness as being, you know, like, and what, what, what do we mean by that? So, somebody, one of the sisters had asked us about... What it meant for us to come into our blackness. And so I'm like, because I, so I don't know. I, the phrasing was a little off. So I was like, let's, why don't we say blackness as being? Since it's not something you can put on and off. Because we're not costumes. Right. right. Well, she means like, so, but in that sense, it's <laughs> she mean she like meant, consciousness. Yes. Like consciousness. Consciousness. Right. She's like, how did y'all come to be how you are? Okay. Oh. I think, you know. Oh, that's. Yeah. That's consciously. Okay. So, you had to listen to the <laughs> entire program. Right. Not just in one episode. Right, right. So she's like, how did y'all come to, you know, kind of come to be where you are consciously in your mind when it comes to racial identity and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. So so I was like, okay, we're going to do blackness as being at Truth's Table. So, um so yeah, see, I mean, what what, what you guys guys say? What y'all guys say? I mean, it it don't have to be, but racial identity development, I guess, is really what it it comes down to too you know yeah well i mean there are a few different racial identity development tools or theories mm-hmm. or philosophies mm-hmm. 
uh, Cross's theory is, I think, considered still the signature model mm-hmm. for racial identity development, and um, which starts at like um, pre-encounter. And so what that implies is that there's a sense of our own identities that we don't really see until we engage it cross-culturally or within the context of conflict. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of people who – so Dr. King has a story about um, uh, having a best friend that was a white kid playing with them and then being told by – when they hit a certain age, you can't play with that kid anymore. Yeah. So in that context, he realized a sense of difference and that blackness meant being pulled away or that um, there was some kind of this dynamic – in, in relationship with whiteness in the cultural context. And so a lot of us have those stories. Um, mm-hmm. And in his case, and in Cross's theory, oftentimes we're talking about um, kind of a negative or racist encounter. But there are some people who have encounters that actually function differently than that. It's not a necessarily a negative encounter of racial identity that builds the racial consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it can work out in some different ways. At least that's my bias. I think it can... It can work out in a variety of ways. And certainly black parents have tried to mitigate what they know will be the negative racist encounter by trying to overcompensate with positive black imagery and Afrocentric thought and teaching and music and practice um, in order to, I think, present another another to to balance the encounter or to buffer a bit of inoculation. You know, so people got, you know, which would be my approach. Yeah. Yeah. So black Jesus on the wall. Here, take these markers and call everybody yeah. black. For your, <laughs> which your mama told we you. had to do that. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. That. Yeah. 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 So and, and, it's I, and, not a drill. and it's not it's not linear. Like it loops. <laughs> it's cyclical. You know, yeah. it loops. So which means yeah. that there are people who had a sense of their black identity maybe before uh, election 2016 or being in their white evangelical church, whatever the context was. Right. And they kind of got hit again. Mm-hmm. And with kind of an encounter experience that has caused them to rethink and to reform and to reshape blackness, their identity in this mm-hmm. sense. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, or even possible, like even in your black church, if yeah, that black church is towing the centrist line, yeah, you know, or you know, signing on to the agenda of. Said regime, which then, is which is fairly normative. Which happens, I mean, yeah, 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 normative because yeah. churches are very conservative. Yeah, so, um, sure. so well, then, and, and buffered and isolated. Like if you talk about black, black middle class. Oh, yeah. That's why they. It's like this is my country club. I feel pretty nice over here, and leave me alone. Don't we give can. me any of that. Don't tell me about the craziness that's yeah. happening outside. Don't bring me no bad news. Amen. I get that. Move this congregation yeah. out the hood. Yeah, that's that's well, what happens. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> They're like, let, let me be comfortable. People escape for reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so it could, it could, it could probably come out that that in that context too. You know, where it's like, wait a minute, why y'all ain't saying nothing? Blackity black. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good. So I guess how what how did y'all come into your blackness as being? How have you all yeah. lived that oh. experience? It's weird, right? And maybe at bottom we could say, when do we know we were black? Maybe that was mm. is that a is that a fair question? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, I don't yeah, sure. Yeah. When do we know we were black? It's kinda of like saying, What's your conversion story? And you're like, I've never known it. <laughs> That's because you grew up in a Christian home. Right, right, exactly. But would you grow up in a super black home? Where I wasn't black. Yeah. um, When was I not not black? For sure. Or when Mm. some of the things that your mama tell you that, um, you know, that ain't really the reason. Yeah. But the answer is because you're black. Like, why we got to wash our hands and um, clean the house every day all the time because we black. Yeah. Mm. I don't like that. 
That's what I'm we like, do. Oh. Can I take a year off of college and find myself? No, you can't. No, you black. Because you're black. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny. Oh, oh you know. okay. So, it's like, no, we don't do it's that. It's in the black we manual. Do we don't do that. Talking about why, why they got um, bread in their stuff to they turkey and we eat cornbread dressing. You black. <laughs> That's we the don't, end of we it. We don't cook pumpkins. The end. <laughs> pumpkins are for decoration. Yeah. The end. Not for eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so like, yeah. Okay, so then when do we know we were black? It was like it was passive that like was that. Was a real thing. I mean, I didn't. I mean, yeah. I would say I had the opposite experience. Not, and, and I'm not saying this is center whiteness. I think, as you were saying, like if you grew up in a family that's very much firmly identified as black folks, which is my mm-hmm. family system, mm-hmm. in a black city with black mayor and mm-hmm. black principal and black teachers, black, 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 black. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that was was probably most striking for me is when I realized that there were white people. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I and white people that. in relationship to black people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. Like, my mother, my mother, I remember my mother having a, a woman come over to visit for something. It's a white lady. And I had obviously met white people before. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm telling you, my childhood was overwhelmingly around black people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember the lady saying to me, uh, I was a little girl, and she was like, "Oh, you have rosy red cheeks," and I thought it was the oddest expression ever. <laughs> like I Not thought because nobody black talks about <laughs> rosy red, red cheeks. cheeks. <laughs> and I remember looking at her, like in this really like baffled cross cultural way of like interesting, like that's a fast like like what my little girl mind like interesting expression like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. rosy and and I, and I realized in that moment that she valued that within her mm-hmm. like and that's I, cute. Yeah, oh, that was cute in her context, and I think that's when I started to see like, oh, there like there's different and different groups have a sense of, of mm-hmm. what's attractive, mm-hmm. what's endearing, what's. Mm-hmm. Um, but even yeah, even when I was in elementary school, you know, it was majority black kids, and so the the white kid in the class would stand out, or the white sure, teacher yeah. would stand out. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it's, so it's 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 different. It's a bit of a reversal, I think, mm. in my experience. Mm. So. Um, so there, so I had a sense of blackness that ne- didn't necessarily overtly. Um, I didn't know it was probably always always in conversation with whiteness in our stratified culture, but I did not overtly know that mm-hmm. it was in conversation with whiteness mm-hmm. until I was a little bit older. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, that was my story. Like, I don't know in terms of our people. So y'all know I'm like I'm mega extreme extroverted to the point where. Mm-hmm. Our, you know, my experience with other people is very formative and it shapes me and my identity. But what's true about blackness and how I understood it for myself as an individual was um, really some of what I think Christina was describing as the positive encounter. And that was just the sheer beauty of black gospel, um, the mm-hmm. depths mm-hmm. with which we normalized blackness because that was everybody black. It's just <laughs> and so I didn't yeah, know yeah. what these little white kids was doing when I went to um my dad was military. So mm-hmm. we grew up pretty yeah. cross cultural. Yeah. Um but when I went to the little like church camps and they were singing This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. I have never heard that tune in my life. Because mm-hmm. we only knew the this little light of mine. Oh. And then I got older and people told me, well, you know, there's minor keys and there's major. And in the minor key it's about sadness. And I'm listening to things in minor keys and I'm like, 
Yeah, that's like the happiest. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess that Jesus saved my soul, oh. and I'm glad, not sad about <laughs> it. I mean, and that's a minor key. Yeah. So white folk telling me who who mm-hmm. who who I am. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I read into Ozaki Shange was out when I was five and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm black. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so there was a sort of major piece of, um, I mean, we did. That was just what my mom was like. You get home from kindergarten, I, I got to fix that. what they messed up. You know it's what true, yeah. Eventually, she just homeschooled us because she was like, y'all ain't reading Baldwin fast enough. You ain't read Ralph Ellison yet. She pulled mm-hmm. us out of school. I was like, mm-hmm. I got to homeschool you so you know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't have, I have a, a, a shock of white people think they know everything. Yeah. I think that was when I was like, wow, because of the color of my skin, I am presumed, you know, on down the line. And I began to learn what was presumed about me. Um, when me and my sister would achieve in school, people would be like, really? Mm-hmm. Can't believe it. Um, and so that that kind of stuff. But but for sure, the identity encounter through struggle definitely uh, probably came more around the um, – the times during the AIDS epidemic, and I've told this story before mm. about queer advocacy mm-hmm. in my family and um, seeing how the church um, treated queer people mm-hmm. and realizing, wow, that's very similar to the way that white folks treated black folk. Mm-hmm. Because when queer people began to be like the really the folks that we were throwing the fault of AIDS towards, mm-hmm. oh, oh, must be gay, got AIDS. Or mm-hmm. if you gave Finnegan AIDS and that the church really, uh, to me, they fostered um, a lot of the segregation, the queer segregation, even though my favorite choir director was gospel gay. The mm-hmm. best singers was gospel gay. Mm-hmm. And so they were doing the tokenizing same yeah. thing that white folks did to us. And my parents were able to really challenge that. And I watched them say, like, um, we ain't about we ain't about to do this. We mm-hmm. need to take care of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that to me showed me that the black struggle is intrinsic mm-hmm. to how we pursue justice. Mm-hmm. And that formed me, I think, into somebody who's just like, I'm not about this hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. I'm black. Mm-hmm. And even though that's not necessarily a trait, <laughs> anti-hypocrisy isn't a trait of blackness. Uh, but well, you know I'm trying to be congruent. <laughs> Try, yeah. But that's what they taught us. They were like, no, we truth tellers come from marginalized people. Mm-hmm. That's just how it works. Yeah, the wrong is wrong. The right mm-hmm. is right. Mm-hmm. It's easier to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we're yeah, we're we're not right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was no, yours? Uh, mine would be a Do mix of a uh, both because I was um, raised, obviously, by Nigerian parents. So yeah. first gen, Nigerian-American. So our household was very black, <clears throat> very African. So, or I don't know. We had a, I don't know. I speak to other immigrant children. I'm like, okay, I had a very unique upbringing, apparently. Uh, but my house was a soul train house. You know, hey. uh, every Saturday there was a party. My dad was that was that dude. Mm-hmm. I was about to say something else. But he was that dude. And so, like, yeah, <laughs> he was the HNIC, if you will. And so, um, and so he was the one that was always throwing parties every weekend, every Saturday. Um, so I grew up, you know, like, on Rick, Rick James, Mtume, Fela, like, you know, like, Jimmy, you know, or Jimmy Cliff. Mm-hmm. Like, so I grew up on all of that, everything from the diaspora. Um, and so, uh, so that was my, my upbringing, my, my, um, 
racial identity, I guess you could the say. Musical pieces. Yeah, the musical thing was is huge. It's you know, huge. it was just very, 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 very black in that way. Um, I mean, I, I've because I think sometimes there's a tendency, maybe among black immigrants, to try to separate ourselves. That wasn't the case in my own household, um, which is why I probably am the way I am today. That's why I can actually speak to anti-racism, why I can advocate the way that I do um, for our brothers, black American brothers and sisters, too, because I, I, they never made that. I can say that divide. They're never like, you are Nigerian. You are not like them. That's That was not the script in our house. Wow. They, they, they actively pushed up, backed against that. Um, they pushed against that um, by saying they are cousins because slavery. <laughs> no, literally. Like, they're literally. No, really and truly. <laughs> they're our cousins. Wait, all right. We got some reconciliation. Right. Yeah. So, so I never, so I, cause I think some, some, some first gens will, will have a later racial identity encounter because, yeah. you know, because they were never taught about blackness or they were never um, taught to own it, embrace it. <clears throat> You know, or love it or, you know, live into that. And so it's not until something happens like Trayvon, Martin, Mike Brown, and then later they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm black. You know, or Matthew Adjabati gets killed. Like, you know what I'm saying? Or Afro Longo gets killed. It's like, wait a minute, they're African like me? Yeah, you're black in America. Ain't no exceptions for you. It's blackness around a what? It's blackness. Okay. So, yeah, so that was something I I didn't didn't grow up. You know, with that, that because I think there's another layer there when you yes. when you're a, a child of an immigrant or you are immig- a black immigrant. Yeah. So I didn't have that, and I'm grateful for that. Um, but I think also I was in environments by and large like school was white, predominantly okay. white. Yeah, from elementary and on, you know. Um, and then you have um, cases in which, but but I grew up with black folks because I but otherwise I don't want to associate us with poverty. But in my case, we I grew up in the projects in our city. So in being in Silicon Valley, it's not a cheap place. Right, this right, is right, right. the home of Apple. All right. Address. So so uh, uh, it, in our case, in our area, that's where, you know, the black folks were, including our family. And so that's so I grew up with black folks. So I had a bit of uh, inoculation from mm-hmm. some whiteness in some way so that I didn't Im- imbibe that. So I wasn't like, you know, a black girl that was really struggling, like in trying to be a, a Hillary, you know, no offense to Hillary's out there. But, you know, like, but I wasn't trying to be a Hillary or a Becky or whatnot. But I did. But, of course, you guys know. That's a the- Fresh Prince of Bel Air <laughs> reference. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, but you all know from the colorism episodes that I did, of course, I've Rich. internalized racism right, in ways, right? And right, that, that, right. that led to skin bleaching. And then there's also lots of issues with that among Africans. There's a whole lot yeah. of stuff. Up. Baggage, cultural baggage yeah. that comes. It's like a weird rite of passage. Help us, God. Mm-hmm. Help us, Lord God, today. So yeah, so uh, so I think there's there's some of that, but I also knew consciously. I knew I have to um, counteract a lot of the whiteness, the hagiography, uh, the revisionist history that I'm getting from my elementary, my junior high, my, all that stuff. So I would seek out. Well, we already had, actually, we had Malcolm. We had Malcolm on our bookshelves. We had Ralph Ellison. We had, you know, all that actually on our bookshelves. So, um, in my, in my household. And so I read The Bluest Eye. You know, I read, um, Malcolm X's autobiography by Alex Haley. It's my, one of my favorite books. Read that, like, picked that up on my own 
I feel like it was in elementary school or junior, maybe seventh grade at the latest. Like I read that. Um, and so, yeah, so I think but being in environments where I was like, oh, like I'm one of few black folks within my classroom definitely made me push into my blackness even more. Cause in some ways I was like, oh no, like, like, you know, and just, it just, Maybe just push in, you know, just like Zora Neale Hurston says, you know, um, I feel most colored when I'm thrown against a sharp white background. Yeah. That literally, that really is part of my experience, really. Yeah. Um, so I think being around white folks can actually radicalize you in some ways or it can cause you, you yeah, know, to, yeah. no, to be a captive to the Armitage estates. Right, I mean, exactly, you know, it exactly. can be, I, I could go, I, it's too extreme. So either you're going to be in a sunken place yeah. or you're going to be like, we getting out. Yeah. Well, no, I think, I think that's almost like, um, HBCU culture, like when people mm. say that, I think that people, I've always found people who uh, did their higher education experience in predominantly white settings, black people who did it in predominantly white settings, actually to be more inclined to be radical yes. than HBCU folks. Because you yes. you're, you're kind of given, in some cases you're given ways to kind of acquiesce and to work alongside like a Booker T. Washington model. Mm. And, then, uh, and then there's some places where you're just given kind of a toolkit where you're just like, they racist. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to own everything that you do. I mean, there's a, yeah. there's a also yeah. like so depending on the model, yeah. which can be a combination yeah. of those, those things. But and I, yeah, and I think for me, the my my blackness expressed itself or kind of the, those early influences of my identity was that I just have always enjoyed enjoy black people. Like I just and I have always seen black people as being incredibly diverse, like in opinions, thoughts, yeah. incomes, practices. Mm-hmm. Um and even though we joke around, we're like, that's just so black. I mean I have a strong sense that like black people got all kinds of thoughts and opinions about everything. Um but Everything. but publicly there's good reasons to demonstrate solidarity. <laughs> we are very nuanced people, but publicly it's like, okay, we're not talking about that in public right now. Mm-hmm. And there's there's good reasons for it. So. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's um there's broadness with blackness. There's 1.2 billion ways to be black. <laughs> All right, because <laughs> so like, we do we we you know how we do. We talked about this wasn't this last season oh, that yeah. we uh, uh, irrevocable blackness and talking about the black ways card revoked black card revoked. That was so fun. <laughs> we need to play another game this season. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there's 1.2 billion ways to be black, okay? Because that's how many of us there are. In this world. Oh, yeah. I mean, we just unstoppable. Yeah, it's unstoppable. It's beautiful and it's diverse, and you know, we gotta love ourselves because we don't love. Ain't no. Yeah, ain't I mean, no it, dep- it depends on what you think it is too. What do you think being black means? Mm-hmm. Like at bottom, mm-hmm. um, in terms of in in that sense, depending on your definition of what it is to be black, then you have liberty and nuance etc but um yeah and and if you're being a part of a community or a culture that has had a little bit more bandwidth to define that independently uh yeah. creatively or kind of like in these little bubbles of inoculated safety just for a moment to really live into it then i think you get people who have a more developed and um enjoyable and complicated sense of their ethnic identity mm. Mm. Instead of kind of it being given to you, just like this is what black means in this culture. And black is always in conversation with whiteness. There is no paradigm for blackness outside of it. I mean, like, so I just think I think it depends yeah. on your really on your experiences as to I don't want to say the level of health, but the level of vibrancy or um, just how complex that can be for you. Like if you have the ability to do that, like yeah. black people who I know who feel partic- particularly secure in their black identity are actually able to do things that people think are white. 
Like they they can yeah. they can do and say and experience things with the sense of like oh like so I grew up I know Michelle like sci fi too so I grew up mm-hmm. loving sci fi and and there are black people who are like that's just not black I'm like yeah right who said of course right. it is <laughs> because Shoot. I'm black and, and I like, I what like I it like. yes <laughs> right right and that's that's, great. but but yeah. I think it takes a deep rootedness in your identity absolutely to be able to say oh no like. Guns N' Roses was my jam. Mm. Of course, Rick James was my jam. Like, like, like to be able to hold multiple things and not to feel like, well, you, you know, to be so black that you're like, you cannot possibly take my black card. Mm. Like, there's no way I could like what I wanted to like. Mm. Um, and that, I think that type of liberty is 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 a gift. And then you can that do that true. with other people. Like, you can you can you don't have to pigeonhole them to have to conform to mm. your identity of That's blackness right. in order for you to feel kind of satiated or accepted. Mm. What do we say to those who have, um, who are maybe raised in more white evangel, um, white, white she content? Just, the two words just go together. Yeah, yeah they do. <laughs> yeah, for me. Anyway. Yeah, evangelicalism. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a, it's a geo, yeah, social political yeah. term. Yeah. You know, That's so right. bound to whiteness. And so, which is why I don't claim it. But okay. Um, so, um, <laughs> that was a freebie. Yeah, no, which I have an essay I still need to write about that. I have not done yet. But, um, <laughs> it's a little side conversation. It's there. In my head, I'm here for this. Needs to go into literally why I'm here. Help me today. Uh, (laughs) But what do we say to our um, our 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 brothers and sisters who see blackness as performative, as an actual performance, because they have understood blackness as um, mediated through whiteness. So what do we say to those who feel like you know who feel like well I need to be hip hop? I'm just throwing out what the the cliches. Yeah, I I throw out hip hop because I'm a hip hop fan. Our like us, like our people, our people. Yeah, our brothers and sisters. What do we say to them? You know, who feel like, ooh, I've had this encounter, and so I must be black in this way because the only way I have understood now that I've just come into blackness, or I think I've come into blackness, whatever you want, you've been black, even though you, even though you maybe you didn't realize that you've been black, but okay, Um, uh, it's been mediated through. uh, they've received it through the lens of whiteness, if that makes sense. So it's been mediated through whiteness. What do we say to those people who who are like struggling with that? Blackness as performance. Yeah, I mean, it certainly isn't. And you 100% ain't had no kind of racial identity encounter if that's what you think. I mean, mm-hmm. so the truth is, those are the folks that um, still ain't had that re-de-sunken surgery most likely re-de-sunken right? surgery <laughs> hey how big I'm re-risen I'm de-sunk that's something <laughs> yeah. don't go to the armature you know what I'm saying once you get out don't go you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah um, oh, you and, I, and I think there's a struggle there I mean it's a real it's a real difficulty because if white people are telling you what blackness is then you a slave mm. so, well just make it plain I don't know what else you is Get the yeah. shackles off my well, and, feet and, so and I can dance. Yeah, yeah. and well, and it was and it was so problematic about it. People who don't know who they are cannot possibly tell you who you are, right? So whiteness mm-hmm. is still um, right, foolishness. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. obscure, mm-hmm. made up. Um, yeah, just top layer in a system of stratification. So you know, white people, white people can't tell you what it means to be white, and so right. to right. be beholden to white people's definition of what it means to be black is just flat out foolish. Even accidental, right? Yeah. I mean, mm. that I, all of us, you know, we gotta know somebody who's being told what blackness is from a quote unquote well-meaning white person, right? Um, 
Yeah. Oh, the, the, sure. you know, kindest, for you know, sure. the bleeding heart yeah. white lady that done bought her a black child and Uh-oh. is trying to tell that baby what being black is. Uh-oh. And she ain't trying to be racist and she trying to love that child. She don't know what in the world blackness is. And she couldn't she if she know. tried, especially mm-hmm. if she has no idea that whiteness um, was formed out of the corruption of racism, mm-hmm. you know, it was meant to be supreme. Um, otherwise, she would figure out what's it, what's Italian, what's Greek, you know, what's British and sure. what does it mean to be mm-hmm. a person long removed from your original European heritage? Um, mm-hmm. On and, purpose. Uh, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, For the and, and, you know, and I do I do think that a lot of white folks have struggle because that struggle comes from literally not being able to reinculturate to the United Kingdom. If they right. now left right. or disidentified with the United States. Oh, for so sure. trying to explain to a black person <laughs> whose heritage has been stolen from them, yeah. especially if you bought them into your house. Um, yeah. What do I say to those people? What do mm-hmm. I say to them now? I say that they they need to talk to and find one another. And I think that identity has to first begin in understanding that Jesus is not their white savior. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's taking it super spiritual, yeah. but blackness is um, really, to me, only been more enhanced and more revealed and more defined um, by my understanding of Jesus as brown, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that that may be part of it, if they're really struggling yeah. with that yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. to the depths. Yeah. How can we spiritually surround them in some way? That's good. No, that is that is an important factor. Jesus is not white, you know. I mean, that has serious implications, good implications for people of color and And for the people who think themselves to be white. It helps them to shed that racial caste system. Mm -hmm. Cast it off, y'all, into the sea of (laughs) Cast off the cast. (laughs) Because whiteness will burn in hell. Okay? Blackness will not. We will retain... Our ethnicities, whiteness was made up in order to subjugate us. It will become more true. I I like to think in my sanctified imagination Mm -hmm. uh, that that black folks will inherit or um, will then again redeem or, um, how can I say, be given their actual African heritage. Mm -hmm. That will be reclaimed. Mm -hmm. Like that, God will give that in a new heavens and new earth. That's in my sanctified imagination. I know I will be Nigerian in the new heavens and new earth Mm -hmm. or whatever Nigeria was before Mm -hmm. colonialism, if you want to. I mean, because it is a colonial tag. Mm -hmm. Let's be real. Okay. I'm so, I'm so. That was yet another creepy. Another aside. But, but you know, I will be, I will be ethnically Ibibio. If, if we're going to put it down to my yeah. tribe, then I'm going to put yeah. it down to my tribe. Yeah. And so, like, if, if that's and and I believe that my black brothers, sisters, particularly my sisters right here at this mm-hmm. table, will also. My prayer is that they, you all, would also get your your tribe that the Lord would do that because um, He does all things well. So I'm not going to cry, but mm-hmm. I think that's one of those things. Yeah, I think it's a consequence huge. of whiteness. It's like so evil. It's so evil. Yeah. Well, it, well, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing how things that are not real can still be so painful. Oh, God, yeah. You know, and oftentimes I think it's the things that are most, like, fictitious that are the most The fabrications that control us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That are the most the most gripping things. But, yeah, and I, and I think what people have given up in order to fit into these 
stages of a caste system. Right. Um, I mean, some people got dragged into it, like literally, physically <laughs> dragged into it. Yeah. Shackles and chains, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but there are others who, um, who, who moved into it for uh, financial and physical, physical mm-hmm. gain or physical safety. Yeah, um, I was yeah. gonna say security has a lot to do with it for the browner Europeans. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. The Italians and whatnot. for yeah. sure. I mean, I mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, when I think about the fact that people in our cultural context, like we don't want to give up anything, we want to give up nothing. We believe in a convenient mm-hmm. and a comfortable pursuit of justice. Sure. Uh, that we think those actually go together, despite having a suffering savior mm-hmm. as our model, <laughs> Christians mm-hmm. as our model. We're like, I would like comfortable justice fighting. Um, so it, it makes sense to me. I, I can at least uh, intellectually, uh, not emotionally or spiritually, but I can intellectually empathize with why people move themselves into places on a caste system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yep. I totally get yeah. that. It doesn't mean that it's any less wicked, terrible, yeah. corrupt. Um, but for the love of convenience, yeah, for the love of comfort, which but we're for, not ignorant, we know, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. we do all those kind of things. That's tem- that temptation is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe in a lot of ways the Lord honors and um, prophesies uh, diasporas. To mm-hmm. be honest, oh. and so there's the Christian mm-hmm. uh, sort of spread that He commands. That He says, like, I'm pushing you out of Jerusalem, and you're going to take this everywhere. And I, I believe, honestly, that there is a Euro diaspora. There's an African diaspora. Mm-hmm. And, the, and I think God will honor that. And so there are real nationalities, ethnicities, and cultures, and ways of life that make us um, need each other and that make us utterly, uh, like, anti-covetous of mm. one another mm. in the new heavens and the new earth. Like, I will be neither intimidated by or covetous of. Mm. Right. Whatever it is, right. my kinsmen or fellow humans have to right. offer that, right. that, that God has gifted them. And so it's fascinating mm. to me that um, a big part of blackness is understanding that you, thou shalt not covet whiteness. Right. And that Hello. is mm. maybe not the golden rule because whiteness <laughs> ain't at the top of understanding what yeah. blackness mm-hmm. is. But one of the reasons that I, I found it so helpful for my parents and mentors to teach me that is blackness does not exist because of oppression. Mm. And mm-hmm. I and I think that that may be why we have brothers and sisters who still are so sunk that it's part of their religious experience because they think black people were only Christians because of slavery, they think they black think that, yeah. yeah, it doesn't predate slavery. Yeah, yeah they, they think that it's a it's really hard thing, and so to be unintimidated by the white definition of blackness and to be non-covetous of what yeah. white people um, are told, how they're told to live, the weight of the world, they're you know fooled into carrying is really to experience a beauty that does come from God's deep love of our motherland. Um, and I do think, like, just one encounter story, mm-hmm. I do think I began to sing the Black National Anthem differently mm-hmm. when I realized my native land is mm-hmm. not the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I sing true to our God, <laughs> right. true to our native land, yeah. white folks is shaking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They don't know what to do. Mm-hmm, they don't mm-hmm. have a native land to be true to. Mm-hmm. And I've had people tell me, you shouldn't sing that song in church. True Why to your God not? and true to your native land. 
God. And I'm like, we, we, I we will always be true to my native land right. because that's justice. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's, and it's also a part of the crown. Of, it's also a part of the crown and the reward of Christ. Mm-hmm. So the one of the one of Christ's blood bought rewards is this church that represents every tribe, nation, and tongue. Mm-hmm. And so when we whitewash our own cultural and ethnic identity, we are whitewashing the prize in which he bled for, which is us. And that's yeah. us in our fullness. Right. That's mm-hmm. us in our ethnic right. so differences and distinction and culture and language. That's us in our struggles. That's us, you know, that, that's the fullness of who we are. And um, it is it is too small a thing for Christ to have won um, a people who were homogenous. It's just, it's just simply too small of a thing. It it is a great God, and the great God has has won this great reward. And and and, and for those of us who do anti racism work or are in multicultural work, whatever, we know just how amazing and transcending that is because we don't like each other, <laughs> we don't get along, and we and we are pretty committed. We I mean like humanoids, we're very committed right. to um, the legitimate and sometimes illegitimate barriers that separate us. But Christ's blood is like, uh-uh, I want all the people represented. And that brings Christ a unique glory. Um, it, it's one of the things I think about heaven a lot, about the way I do gut checks here on this side of glory is to think, am I really, am I fit conceptually for heaven? Obviously, I'm not glorified, but right. fit conceptually yeah. for heaven. Like, am I going to be, am I going to be upset? Heavenly mindset. Yeah. Heaven. Am I going to be upset by those people over there speaking that language? Mm-hmm. Right. And when I think about people who are irritated by language, I'm like, well, maybe heaven's not for you. If it irritates you to hear tongues. someone speaking yeah. a different language, well, language. it brings God a unique glory to have yeah, representatives. Jesus ain't speak your language. No, mm-hmm. Jesus did not speak English. He didn't speak English. No, 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 no saints. To our knowledge. No, but yeah. I think that was true. Though he could. Although he's speaking to, <laughs> although he's speaking to our hearts right now. Speak to <laughs> our hearts. Spirit. Um, so, <laughs> uh, no, that's good. That particularly when you brought up about the native land, right? Um, in um, in the Black National Anthem, and talking about how there's actual eschatological, you know, that's eschatological language right there, right? Because we're, you know, Hebrews eleven sixteen talks about how we're. I mean, this is a new country, you know, new land, yeah. a new city yeah. in the in the new heavens, well, a we, heavenly one. Well, we need a new right. you know, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> they all. That's clear. We all. They all need, need to be place. new. Everybody. Like you know, and so that's it's, it's beautiful. It's it's, it's just land. it's just beautiful when you think about. It. There's a real eschatological thrust to that yeah. to that reality. It's not something to be angry about. It's something to look forward to. I think yeah. I, I think we can easily lose sight of the yeah. fact that yeah, it's a new country, a new land, yeah. a new city, a new heaven, a new earth. We need all the new things. Well, it's the greater Pentecost, right? We need it. It's the greater, fully redeemed, fully revealed Pentecost that happens in the eschaton. And so, so we have all these languages declaring and praising who God is at Pentecost, but we have that in its more full, glorified, revealed state at in in the end, in the mm-hmm. glorified end that will always be. And um, yeah, that that's like my spiritual gut check. Do I think that's beautiful? Mm-hmm. And as somebody who really loves blackness, I have to ask myself that a lot because I really could live in Blacktopia. I can right. oh, yeah. live in Wakanda and be just fine. Right. Um, right. And so so that has something I have to, and I, and I don't think that's a bad thing in and of itself, but I do have to, I have to say, um, I had to do a gut check about, mm, but Christ has this unique glory, this unique honor revealed in the diversity of the people, which he has called into himself. Amen. Amen. And do I find that even more beautiful? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause we got to check ourselves too. Yeah. Folks on the list. I'm for real about Wakanda. Cause we are. Yeah. 
and we all sin for we need accountability. So, <laughs> is, that, is, that, is, that, is that the rapper trail? That's it. That's it. So yes, yeah, so, I mean, I think so. I hear blackness, uh, particularly apart from whiteness, it it, it exists predates whiteness. It's gonna be there. One whiteness is cast into hell, and we and white people I will hear, have an actual and they're gonna have their identity. identity. You're gonna have your ethnic y'all identity. Know, I don't know how many of them white you people can get it now. High yellow light skin, and they know oh. people hiding stuff from them. Well, that oh. too. So and you can and and and. And to the people who think themselves white, you can you can reclaim your heritage your now. Your ethnic identity. You have to do work God. to do it because there was they a lot of work done by your ancestors yeah. to get rid of it. But well, you can, and just you like can reclaim Americans it now. have to do the work to understand our yeah. own ethnic identity. Yeah, which is diff- which is harder to do. There has to be some kind of rejection of this idea that diasporas are evil. It's right. just like a, even right. if it's born from struggle, born from conflict, yeah. born from whatever the European spread, just they have to begin yeah. to say the European diaspora is literally one of conquering, of hatred, of despising, of whatever it is, and immigration. Colonization. For, yeah, but immigration and colonization. The only way for reclaim, re- reclamation to happen is honesty and truth. Yeah. And I I just don't know, since whiteness was built on a lie, I don't know how white folks can reclaim ethnic identity uh, without rejecting the lie that is whiteness. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, but that's the freedom. Mm-hmm. Yo, that's the prerequisite. It's hurt, it hurt real bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, I imagine. I imagine. Hurt real bad. That's I feel like it'd be a good thing for me, though, if they did that. <laughs> It's a necessary pain. When people ask, so what do we do now? Oh, it's all you're going to feel the pain. Welcome. 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 Sell everything you Hello. Come in. Live into worship. Reparations. (laughs) Reparations now. Okay, so in one word, (laughs) how would you describe blackness? One word. Blackness. One One word. Can we use hyphens? Can we use one (laughs) phrase? Okay, phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Phrase. Go ahead, Mimi. Mimi, you asked for you asked for a phrase. Yeah, you did because I was like, "Well, I you, you just one. didn't have a word." You should have been like a paragraph. <laughs> Can I get a five minute essay? Can with I get a drum an beat? Outro. Oh, eight. I, I, for me, it, I I just think uh, I think freedom. Hmm. I think freedom, but I think some people say that's ironic, but it's not. <laughs> freedom. <laughs> we real free. When we when we live into our blackness, we're yeah. real free. Yeah. I mean, I I just and that's across the board. Yeah. That's you can't tell black folks nothing. You show enough can't tell Africans nothing. Well, I've noticed that. I say clearly <laughs> freedom. Basically of the West. You, you can't be yourself. <laughs> you can't tell us nothing. So that's why I'm gonna, I'm gonna say freedom. <laughs> Jubil. I mean, it's, it's just like a real. I just yeah. It's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. So that's my word. There you go. What you got, Michelle? Uh, there's, there's a, to me, the dynamic of community wholeness, community wellness is, I mean, it's kind of a word we throw around right now because public safety is black invisibility. And we're trying to resist that across the country right now. The arrest and incarcerate model is something I look at, think about every day. And really safety is in community wholeness. But blackness as I've experienced it in the United States, studied it, heard testimony of it around the world, is that we got us. We got us. And Mm. those of us who feel endangered, feel unsafe, feel they need protection from the white world, when we get together, 
Mm-hmm. We're whole. Mm-hmm. And when we uphold, lift up, and support each other, there's wholeness in that. Right. Um, and so to me, the black radical idea of self-determination is often skewed mm-hmm. to be hyper-individualistic. But the truth is your self-determination is for the liberation of your people. It's bound up in one another. And you yeah. are determining as a people that your freedom is attached, is, you know, Typically, sort of bound yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. to each mm-hmm. other. So I think community wholeness is a phrase and a hyphen. Um, but <laughs> we got us is the phrase that we always say. Mm-hmm. And I think that has, that has been true and can continue to be true no matter how mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. look at or perceive mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that paragraph. <laughs> that spoken and word piece. Yes, <laughs> the prophetic poetess. Right on the big miggity mic. The show's like, I ain't giving you one word. <laughs> see, see what you got. Girl. I don't have a word to do. Oh. <laughs> so. <laughs> I have 30. I, got, I have several hyphens in there. I don't know. like God, So, like, God ordained African diaspora. So churchy. Identity. I mean, and and I emphasize the God ordained part because I think that a part of the self hate and self loathing is to not see God's hand at work in constructing this identity, Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that that identity is is uh, is sin neutral or sin avoidant or ultimate. Yeah, because all Mm -hmm. of us got the sin issue, Um, but God's hand is at work, and I think that people of African descent. I think if there's ever people who need to know that and need to cling to that us. to a God ordained beauty. And I don't mean and I don't mean as us talking about like wasn't slavery a good thing. No, slavery was a really bad thing. <laughs> so like it was bad, bad. Stop it. Bad. Help us. Help bad. Us. It was bad. But bad. But slavery was bad all the time. All, all the, the time, time slavery, slavery was bad. bad. Absolutely. But yet and still it's a it's it is a God ordained African diasporic identity because because God said in his sovereignty those beautiful people, I want them to sing my praises. I want them to to render worship unto me. Because, yeah. Yes, because I want their worship uniquely, those people. In I want their way. worship in this way. And God says black is beautiful. Yeah, and that, and that worship that. will be in glory next to our brothers and sisters of European and Asian and Amen. indigenous peoples from all over the world. I mean, yeah. like, we will be our Latinx brothers and sisters. singing unto the glory of God Thank together and understanding ourselves in a more deeper and beautiful way um, because we are in proximity to actually see ourselves better when we're with other people. So, anywho, mm-hmm. it's God-ordained African mm-hmm. diasporic mm. identity that will be, ab- be in the eschaton. Thank you, Lord. Black thank you, thank you. Black is beautiful. We thank you for our blackness, Lord. And we want to thank you all for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about black, embodied blackness, blackness as being, hey. using the hashtag Truth Table. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Truth Table or email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Download the episodes, y'all. Truth Table is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit Pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. And we have been your hosts, Akemini, Michelle, and Christina. See you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.